All right, Toyota, everybody. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. A workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced technology to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available technology this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales events deals when you visit buy a Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, uh, August 8th, 2016. Let me move close to the mic there. Try not to have it on my chest so you don't have to listen to me breathing. I know it's been an issue the last couple of podcasts, but like I said, I'm out here on the road. And the little mixer that I use is a piece of shit. And even if I have an adapter, for some reason, it seems to blow up. Um, It probably didn't. I probably plugged it into the wall and I fucked up. But who knows? So I am in, uh, as an American would say, Edinburgh. I don't know how the fuck they say in Scotland. I just did a show, believe it or not, um, at like a quarter to four in the afternoon out here. I have shows at 345 and 1130. I don't know why. I thought it was because I signed on late to the festival. I have no idea. But I got to tell you, man, it was a fucking great time. It was a great time. Look at that. I just got a message here. All right. Um, Let me shut this fucking thing off. Uh, All right. So anyway, so yeah, I just did a show. I got to tell you, I loved it. I'm sitting there the whole time. Going over there, being this cranky fucking, you know, little showgirl, right? I was in Amsterdam last night, which is a great show. So today I'm flying. I land. I get to the fucking hotel. Hotel isn't ready, you know, as always. That's how my travel always gets put together. They never let me sleep that extra hour and a half. They're always like, let's get him up and get him to the next fucking city. God forbid he misses the show. And then you always get, I always end up landing before the fucking room's ready. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Bill, why don't you have you or somebody call ahead and ask for an early check-in? I'll tell you why. Because I don't live my life that way. I live my life moment to fucking moment. That's, I try to. Because if I look too far down the road, I have a panic attack and I start getting overwhelmed and depressed and I just start going like, it's just flying by, I'm going to die soon, all right? It's not worth contemplating your own mortality just to get a fucking early check-in. I would rather walk in and then be like, what do you mean the room isn't ready? But I have a show, (laughs) right? And throw a big fucking hissy fit. Admit it. That's what everybody wants to see. Um, oh, you know, something I forgot to mention, um, you know, visiting John Bonham's grave, the legendary John Bonham, uh, and paying my respects 
such a quiet, peaceful place. Um, I was just looking up some stuff on it. I forgot to mention this. I don't know if they've raised enough money, but there's a group of people trying to make a statue around his hometown. It's the John Bonham Memorial Fund. And um, I've been trying to reach out to them to see if if they were able to raise the funds or whatever. But, uh, you know, with all these fucking bullshit charities out out there, you know, um, hopefully this one's legit. I'm sure it is. But, I, you know, it's a pretty fucking cool thing. If I could drive you guys that way for John Henry Bonham's statue, I think that would be that would be uh, that would be great. At least me. I don't know. Something I would like. So um, if anybody knows somebody connected with that fund, I tried to send them an email. I didn't try to. I sent them an email and I checked one day to see if they got back to me. I didn't see anything from them. And I'm really bad at checking email. So I'm worried that I'll never check again. Um, But uh, I don't know. Somebody knows somebody connected with it. And uh, if you can get some information, send it to the podcast or send it to me. Hopefully I'll fucking see it. And if they're coming up short, I would love to send some money and make a donation myself. Absolutely towards it. Um, Couldn't think of anybody more fitting as far as I'm concerned as a performer. Right. Um, All right. So plowing ahead. So. um, Yeah. So I had a three forty five show today. And I absolutely fucking loved it. I went over there and I'm just thinking like. Jesus Christ, this was going to be a bunch of blue-haired old ladies. Who the fuck has a comedy show at 3.45 in the afternoon? It reminded me of when I was on my way up, and I was paying my dues, and I was humble, and I treated my fellow human beings with respect as opposed to now. Like, I just ordered room service, and, like, the water wasn't in a glass bottle, and I slapped it down to the ground, and I said, how dare you? I'm from the United States of America, right? No, I didn't do that. Anyways, my humble beginnings as I was coming up, we used to do these things at colleges and they were called nooners. You know, I got a nooner at Fuckhead State or whatever. And it was basically you did stand up, you know, anywhere from fucking 11 in the morning to like one in the afternoon. And you had no idea what the fuck you were going to walk into. I mean, you knew it was most likely going to be one of the most humiliating hours of your life. You knew like 90% chance that most of the people in the cafeteria or in the hallway area or whatever had no idea that there was even going to be a show. Guaranteed that whoever's bringing you up on stage is not in show business, so it's going to be a horrible fucking intro. The whole thing. I remember I used to just go on stage right before I would go on stage. I would just look at my watch and I would always think an hour from now, this is going to be over. No matter how awful this gets, no matter how humiliating this gets, an hour from now, I'm going to be back in the rental car. I'm going to drive away from this school and I don't have to ever think about this fucking show again, but I will have the money. Okay. And whenever they're paying me, they probably shouldn't give me twice that amount because I blew probably at least three times that on fucking therapy after going through those things. But that's how I always used to, that's how I used to always think it. And, uh, if you guys think I'm angry and negative now, you should have seen me back then when I, I didn't even understand. I'm actually, I'm not negative now, but I was way, way more angry. And I was really fucking negative. I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop before. I don't know. I just, 
I don't know, I read a bunch of fucking books and shit. And I was able to come out of it. And I know I trash a lot of shit here on the podcast. But I like to think that when I give advice, you know, you can hear the twinkle in my eye. You know, it starts to sound like Christmas when I try to help somebody out. Ah, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm the same way. But I mean, back then, I at least I wasn't even fucking aware how fucking nuts I was. And uh, I would just go up there and I was just. I don't know. If somebody said anything, I just tried to chop their fucking head off. And a lot of times they weren't being mean. And I ended up creating the fucking hostile situation between me and the crowd that I didn't want. I wanted it to be an easy gig. So why wouldn't you go up there and smile? Be like, hey, it's great to be here, you know, blah, blah, blah. And try to ingratiate yourself to the people. You know why? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that because when I grew up, I didn't see anybody doing that. All right. There's very few people from where I'm from even fucking have ever used the word ingratiating. I can tell you right now, I have no idea how to spell it. All right, the first letter is either an I or it's an E. Is it ingratiating or in, 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 I, I'm going to go with I. I'm going to try to spell it right now. Let's see, what do we got here? Come on, Bill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my eyes. I-N-G-R, so it doesn't help out. C-I-A-T-I-N-G. Come on, one time. One time, get it right. Oh, fuck you. It's I-N-G-R-A-T-I-A-T-I-N-G. I missed one letter. Do you know what I mean? It's like being off a degree in the space shuttle. The next thing you know, you're on fucking Mars, you know, and you were trying to go to, uh, I don't know, Jupiter? We'll go with Jupiter. Um, let me go back here. So anyways, um, I was sitting backstage waiting to go on and now it was, the show was fucking tremendous. And I know, and I was like, why the fuck did I think that was going to stink? This is why, because the last time I did shit like that, nobody knew who the fuck I was. No one knew there was a comedy show. This shit I went there was people that listened to the podcast. They wanted to go there and they knew it was a show. So now I'm like, holy fuck. I want to do fucking quarter to four in the afternoon shows from now on. Fuck this eight, nine, ten o'clock at night shit. Dude, if I could have my day over, ah, that would be the greatest thing ever. I want to become the 11 a.m. comedian. Be like back in the day. I'll become a morning person again. Well, who's kidding who? With all my fucking demons, I can't sleep more than four hours a night anyways. <laughs> My wife says I always have a fucking look on my face of worry or I'm thrashing about. I'm a fucking mess. Um, she goes, the only time you fucking sleep peacefully is when you get fucking drunk. Uh, but then I snore. I mean, as I told you before, like I'm a fucking, my wife's a saint putting up with me. So anyways, um, I would fucking love to do that. You know, if I had like a show Friday night and a show Saturday night, if I could move them up. To like four in the afternoon, right? Even if I did a two-hour show, I would be done at six o'clock at night. Fucking rap. And then at that point, I can go to a ball game. I can, I can go see all the shit that I miss. That would be perfect. But it sucked for the whoever's coming out to see me because they'd have to leave work early. Maybe the Saturday night show. I don't know. Probably wouldn't work. People are too used to the other way. But I have to tell you, like, I, if I didn't have this eleven thirty show, 
to do right now. Like I like the, the level of excited. I, I feel you know what I feel like right now. I feel like I got a day off from from school. You know when you were a kid, except I got that other one hanging over my head at eleven thirty. Oh God, it was great. The people were fucking sober. It was tremendous. I know a number of comics that do like they they. There's a few comics who work totally clean and they do like afternoon shows. And um, <clears throat> I've always pictured it being like, oh God, you must. I mean, it's the afternoon, the sun's out. You, you, you must have to be, like, beyond clean and wholesome. And I got to tell you, I just did my fucking act, you know, as hard as I would have done it at night, and it, it worked fine. So, I don't know. I might have accidentally stumbled onto something. <clears throat> so, sorry about clearing my throat every five seconds. I've just been, you know, working every night. Uh, doing this tour, and I got to tell you, man, this is one. Of the, this has been one of the best tours of my career, as far as uh, just the people showing up and the venues that I've gotten to play. When I last left you, um, when I checked in on you on Thursday, I was I had just gone to Bristol, England, the place where those ants were crawling all over the chocolate cake. I had a great time there, great show, and then I went to. Uh, legendary Manchester, England. And um, I got to be honest with you, that was the one out of all the shows that I'm doing on this tour, that was the one that I was concerned about. I'm like, all right, this is Manchester, Man United, Man City, the fucking hooligans and all of this shit. And the only thing I, I knew about them was that book that I read. I can't remember if I brought this up Thursday. I read that book, Among the Thugs, where there was an old uh, American journal journalist. He was considered old. He was in his 30s. He was considered a good geezer. And he somehow infiltrated them and, and just some of the violence that they fucking talked about when they were over there. I remember some of the fucking stories. Do you know there was something that... I'm not saying that this was specifically done in Manchester, but Manchester was only the, the only soccer city that I knew. I didn't even know... Or football, as they say. Like, Liverpool, to me, was the Beatles. And meanwhile... The Liverpool team, before Manchester started, went on their run. Up until about 1990, had won more championships than anybody, and I had no fucking idea. Um, but anyways, I guess one of the things these fucking hooligans used to do is they'd have a box cutter, a razor or some shit, right? And they, they have it so fucking sharp that they'd come up behind the supporter of another club uh, when they were standing up waiting to go in, and they'd slash right across your ass. Um, you know, horizontally. And it was so sharp, it would go right through your fucking pants, slash right across both butt cheeks. All right? And it was done so quick, by the time the person realized what was going on, the other person had taken off. And here's the fucking thing. It, it cut deep enough that you needed stitches to close it. All right? And the reason why they, they did it there was so then, while you're waiting for like a week trying to remember when I used to get stitches and depending on how bad it was it went from three four days to like a week later they took it out basically you couldn't sit down or you'd pull the stitches out so you can't sit down you can't sleep on your back and god for you know you got to take a dump (laughs) what do you do and I was thinking you'd have to get in that you know that yoga position the table position it's basically you know I don't know just imagine trying to make yourself a table facing up. You'd have to do that and put a bucket underneath you. And then you can't tell me, oh, God, 
just, you know, during the process of that, it's not hurt. I mean, the fucking misery of that is unbelievable. And I mentioned that to somebody when I was up there. And then they talked about how another thing that they would do is they realized that, you know, if you cut someone with the box cutter, they could stitch it up. So then what they did was they put two blades side by side that were far enough apart that when you slash the person, there wasn't any way for the doctor to stitch it up. They had to, like, glue it up because the space was too big. Just some fucking sadistic shit. So anyways, among other fucking really gross things that I read. So in my head, I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is like, I'm gonna, this is going to be like a Philly show with box cutters. And um, it was the exact opposite. It was great. And I got to be honest with you, it felt like a, a, a show in, like, Boston. Like, I really felt some sort of weird connection with uh, the sound of the crowd. It's weird. Every crowd sounds a little bit different. And uh, they had that working class blue collar, you know, sucker punched in a bar fucking vibe, you know, that I grew up in. Now, I was no tough guy. I just grew up there. So I saw (laughs) I used to see the violence and try to get the fuck away from it. Like I said, I basically fought other kids up until about sixth grade. You know, I had a bunch of baby fat. So I was like I was in a higher weight class. Then all of a sudden I like thinned out and I was one of the scrawnier kids. And then my fighting career abruptly ended with a couple of ass kickings. And I was like, all right, why don't we try being funny from here on out? So um, after that, people just kept getting bigger and the injuries got worse. You know, people laying on the floor of the bar. Someone's repeatedly kicking them in the head, teeth getting knocked out. And I was just like, yeah, you know, I. uh I don't want to do that to somebody, and I definitely don't want that done to me. So uh, I'm going to start, you know, I utilized my footwear a lot when I was younger. <laughs> Walking away, running away, skipping away, whatever the fuck I had to do. Not interested. So anyways, um, after I did uh, Manchester, um, then I had my big shows in London, you know, and uh, at the Hammersmith Apollo, and I went and... I was talking about all the all the bands that had played in Manchester, and uh, one of the guys working on the tour used to uh, run that building, and he saw everybody from when the Stone Roses first came out, Red Hot Chili Peppers, all those bands from that era all played there. So um, when I went to the Hammersmith one, I decided to look up to see who the fuck has played there. I mentioned a few of them. I thought it was Manchester on Thursday, but it was actually the one in London. Like Ziggy Stardust, that character, David Bowie. I thought he retired it at the Manchester Apollo. It was London. And also um, Iron Maiden did their, uh, they had a live, um, let me see if I can find it here. What is it? Beast Over Hammersmith. Um, and that was in 1982. It was a sold out show on that stage. And one of the coolest fucking things ever, that's when Clive Burr, who shares my last name, I should say I share it with him. Um, He actually played there. um, Just fucking amazing drummer. But I I went to look up all of these. I hope I'm not boring you guys with this shit. But this is is the fucking history of that place. All right, 1950s. All right, this is the Apollo in London. On March 25th, 1958, Buddy Holly performed two shows at the venue. These were his last shows ever in the United Kingdom. In the 60s, Tony Bennett with... Uh, Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald with Duke Ellington, Louis Armstrong, 
The Beatles did 38 shows over 21 nights at, between 1964, late 64 and early 65. Johnny Cash in 66. Eric Clapton with the Yardbirds. Um, uh, what else do we got? I'm just kind of fly through these here. Queen, Freddie fucking Mercury, the greatest front man ever. Elton John. Oh, God, there's a bunch of kids next door. I hope you can't hear that. Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young. Kiss made their first UK appearances in 1976. They sold out two shows in two hours. Genesis, back when they were like this prog rock band. Um, Rory Gallagher, Carlos Santana. It just goes on and on and on and on. There's another great one. Black Sabbath played there in 78. Jesus Christ, these fucking people are trying to come in my room. Black Sabbath played there in 78, and their, their support act, their opening act, was Van Halen touring on their first album. Can you imagine if you fucking went to that show? Um, I don't know. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. You can scroll through all of this if you just look it up. Hammersmith, Apollo, London. And then one of the coolest ones I saw as far as stand-up comedians who performed there, in 2010, the great Billy Conley played there. This fucking guy sold out 20 shows from July 5th to July 31st. Oh, by the way, Led Zeppelin, when they announced that they were going to have their reunion. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, a press conference for the premiere of Celebration Day. They did it there. So uh, in 2012, talk to the press. That's how big their press conferences are. It's like most people's you know, concerts. So there's a picture of Plant Page and John Paul Jones on stage. It's pretty fucking killer. So anyways, all right, I'm done geeking out here, but I want to thank everybody who came out to those shows. Uh, the first night was, uh, was amazing. The light was a little bit in my eye on the first night, so I couldn't quite see anybody. And they kind of fixed it the second night. And as great as the first night was, the second night might have been one of the best shows I've ever had. And I remember thinking before I went out there, you know, I'm like... You know, who knows if I ever get to come back. So make it count. Don't go out there like a fucking pussy or something. I forget what happened. And a number of people were talking about all the heckles I got during the show. It, that did, did not even remotely bother me. Um, I didn't find any of them to be malicious or anything like that. I just feel like I say a lot of dumb shit when I'm on stage. And it just, I just feel like, you know, it makes people want to, like, yell some shit. Um so anyways, I got to tell you guys about the fucking, I'm going to do, I'm going to read a few advertisements here. And uh, when I'm done stuttering over these, the, the live reads, I got to talk to you about like during this time of the year in London, um, a bunch of uh, Arabs come in to vacation who have like tons, like basically as far as I could tell, limitless amounts of money. And they're coming in from the Middle East because it's just so fucking hot. So they they holiday, as they say out here, in London. And they fly in on a cargo plane all of their supercars. I, I, the only reason why I found this out is because I've, you know, I've never seen it. I was like, is there a car show here or something like that? And they would, then I just started asking around. I mean, just one fucking Lamborghini, one Ferrari, crazy Mercedes. Ah, fuck it. You know what? Fuck the advertising. I got to tell you about this shit. Like, I've never seen anything like it. It was like for, 
Ferrari Californias, the, the Spiders, the, the, uh, and then all these crazy colors. Like there's one fucking dude over there. Look, first, let, let me just read about how they get their shit there, if I can find it. Oh, you stupid cunt, Bill. Did you really just mess that up? Hang on, I gotta hit pause. I don't wanna fuck this up. Oh, no, I have it. I have it here. Okay, here it is. Um, so, you know, all these, these uh, people at the hotel were saying, no, these, these people come in, they fly their cars in and all that. And I was just like, Jesus, they fly their fucking car, like ship them in or whatever by boat. Like, how much would that cost? So it says, uh, you know, it's a website here. Revealed how Arab playboys fly their supercars into London on chartered uh, cargo jets for the trifling sum of 20,000 pounds per vehicle. Um, 20 quid, whatever the fuck they say. Cars are flown distances of around 3,000 miles in planes such as Qatar Airways, Airbus, A330s, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, McLarens, among vehicles spotted recently in Knightsbridge area, which is the really ritzy area, or posh, as they say. Um, and the owners are usually here only for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Dude, this is like a level of fucking wealth that, you know, I, I haven't seen it. I'm not saying that, you know, it doesn't go on in my country, but this, this it was fucking jaw-dropping. So basically... I'll send the link for this thing. I mean, these guys do not fuck around. These are just some of the sickest rides ever. And then what I love is there's this one guy. Yeah, here's a Lamborghini. There's a yellow one. There's a gray one. I don't even know. This other one's like a McLaren or is that a Ferrari? And, they, and then this is the thing. Because they can all afford them, they're trying to trick them out. So theirs looks unique. This guy is some sort of spider webs going on which is horrific to anybody who ever considered buying that car like why would you ruin that why would you do that to that fucking work of art they look dude they're hooking these fucking things up the way you know those kids who drive the drifters and shit you know what i mean or people drove hot rods we always have that who's that guy's the, the guy used to do all the fucking artwork on those things you know what i mean and those are like cars, you know, that, that, that kids could afford it to, to, like, fix them up. These are, like, some of the richest people on the planet. They do that to Ferraris, Lamborghinis. So there's this one fucking guy. He has all of He's, like, becoming famous because he flew, like, six of his fucking cars over. And they're all, like, done in, like, this mirror gold. It's, like, the, yeah, I got to be honest with you. It's, like, the gaudiest thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's 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 fucking hilarious on on another level. Hang on. All right, so I found the guy here. This guy's not even trying to be famous or anything. I don't know what he's doing. It. So Saudi billionaire Turkey bin Abdullah is the man behind the fleet of incredible golden supercars currently touring wealthy parts of London. Dude, this kid, he looks like he's like fucking twenty-three. All right, these are the pictures, all right? He's got a, this looks like a Lamborghini. Uh, they're all the exact same color gold. And you know what's funny is they got pictures of them flying in their private jet and they're doing that stupid peace sign YOLO thing, right? Except they're dressed in like traditional, you know, the, you know, the Saudi Arabian headgear that they wear, like it's all fucking white. And then on top looks like that traditional uh, Betty Crocker tablecloth. They got that with the uh, LeBron James headband on. Right. Love and life in this private jet. You know, they didn't rent it. They probably own it. Right. 
Then he's got another one. This looks like a fucking one of those, either a Range Rover or Mercedes-Benz truck. And this is the greatest thing. Custom interior, all gold. And in the driver's seat, there's a cheetah. (laughs) Uh, Every car is like 350 fucking grand. Yeah, you know, you ever seen that truck, the six-wheel Mercedes? It's got six wheels. Oh, I got to be careful. This kid's next door. It's got fucking six wheels on it. There's no fucking reason to have this truck ever. I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's, it's incredible. The fucking thing is incredible. He's got one of those in gold. Oh, and that's where he keeps his cheetah, evidently. I'm just scrolling down. He's got a Range Rover. I mean, they are gaudy. I got I don't know. Then he does them in black. They're kind of fucking cool looking. So anyway, so there's a bunch of people that fucking can't stand it. You know, of course, I mean, you have one of those cars. Everybody's going to hate you. If you got fucking six of them and you're getting them, you know, and they look like the grill. Remember those 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 fucking grills they used to make uh, those guys in Houston when that rapper Paul Wall. I think even he, he had a line of those things. Right. Remember how fucking like just in your face gaudy that was. But that was just teeth, you know, so you had to make them laugh first, which is a really difficult thing to do with the rapper. You know what I mean? The second they smile, their album sales, they, they drop tremendously. So it's very rare that you got them to smile. So as gaudy as they were, it wasn't that bad. Right. There's no way to there's no way to look away from these fucking cars. So anyway, so I'm walking down the street right in London and I'm just looking at the, all these cars. It was like a fucking car show, man. It was amazing. So this this typical fucking you know, showy jerk off in this Lamborghini, not a gold one. And he's, he's in like stop and go traffic. And the entire time he's in stop and go traffic, he's just, he's just revving the engine. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can't do the high pitch. You know, you know, those supercars, how crazy they are. Right. And, uh, I'm trudging along in this humid air and shit with all these Londoners. Right. And this fucking lady is the guy's going, is sitting there going like, whoa, 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 doing all that stuff. Uh, she just goes, oh, stop it. <laughs> I almost fell down on the sidewalk and laughed. And that's the first time I thought, like, that's what made me research it, going like, like, I was, you know, after the 50th Ferrari went by and there wasn't a car show, I was starting to sense that there was something going on here. But I, I just thought that these were just super, I was like, wow, man, there's a lot of money in London. These guys are not fucking around. Who the fuck would live in London? You got the tube, you got all these taxis. I mean, like, it'd be like owning a Lamborghini and you live in Manhattan. You're like, why? why? That's just a disgusting level of wealth. So I was just like, man, these people are, uh, they're crushing it over here in London. But I guess it's just um, this group of people that comes over. Dude, you got to look this kid up. This kid cannot be more than like, I don't know, 23, 24. Dude, he's got a gold Rolls Royce. He's got a Bentley. I got to be honest with you. He knows his fucking cars. The six wheels Mercedes is fucking ridiculous. Um, I know a lot of people. Oh, you know, it's blood money. It's this. It's that. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right. But whatever. You know, it's fun to look at. And you know something? Just being someone who likes to go on stage and like, I like to entertain people, but it's also really fun to annoy people. And the fact that these people are coming there and they're driving around in their fucking cars. Sorry, that just slid down the pillow. Sorry. They're driving around in their fucking cars and they're annoying, you know, making that lady go, oh, stop it. It was just, it was hilarious to me. So I'll send a link to that stuff. Um, and with that, with, with, um, 
with all of that babbling here, let me get uh, let me read some advertising here. I just heard the people laughing next door as I imitated the Reverend of the Engine, so I don't know if they're laughing at me. They're probably not because they would have heard me curse by now. All right, Blue Apron, everybody. All right, not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients taste better and are better for you. So it's important to know where your food comes from. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality of standards for their community of artisanal suppliers and family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. I didn't know that that existed anymore. Third corporations bought all of them up and just said that they were artisanal suppliers. Um, Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. Um, I was just going to ask, what isn't all, all salmon's wild? Is it not wild if you have it in your fish tank in your house? But then I was like, no, wait, they got man-made salmon. They make it like porridge. Um, new recipes are created weekly and are not repeated within a year. Choose your meals with a variety of recipes or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Customers, uh, customize your uh, recipes each week based on your preferences. Choose delivery options to fit your needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients and can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Um, all right. You'll love how good it feels, how great it tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash burr. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right. Dollar Shave Club, everybody. Oh, Jesus, there. Dollar fucking Shave Club. Do you got the whiskers on your face over there? All right, um, dollarshaveclub.com delivers amazing razors right to your door for a third of the price of what the greedy razor corporations charge. That means when you join Dollar Shave Club, you can afford to shave with a fresh blade anytime you want, which feels fantastic. You know what it's like? It's like being in a relationship, and the second she gives you shit, you kick her out the door, and you get a brand new one coming in. It's just like that. It's like having a limitless amount of whores walking through your door except their razor blades. Uh, you get first-class shave when you use the executive blade, and that's without even hurting your wallet. And when you use the executive with their Dr. Cavi's Easy Shave Butter, the blade just gently glides for the smoothest shave ever. Shave butter isn't your average shave cream. It's a unique conditioning formula with high-quality natural ingredients, ingredients, leaving your skin unbelievably soft and smooth. Um, now's a great time to join Dollar Shave Club. New members uh, who buy a tube of shave butter get a month of the executive razor for absolutely free. Take advantage of this special offer today. It's available by going to dollarshaveclub.com slash burr. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash burr. All right, let's do two and two. We'll get back to this shit, right? Will we? I hope we will. All right. Continuing on. How far? Oh, 34 minutes in. Very nice. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So, um, I actually got to spend a day in London, which was great. I, um, cause I was there for two nights and, uh, and I also finally got to drive and see a lot of England, absolutely gorgeous country. And, um, 
so Hyde Park is like their Central Park, and I just went in there, walked around. I always look at Royal Albert Hall because I'm telling you, one of these days, I'm going to play there. Right? I'm going to do a show there, God willing. If not, I'm going to see a show there. But if I do play there, I can guarantee fucking to you, I'm going to rent a drum kit again during the day. I already talked to the promoter. I was like, can I rent a drum kit? Can I go in there, put on some headphones, and just fucking play to Led Zeppelin? Because that was one of Bonham's, I don't know, I think it's some of the greatest live footage of him ever, is their performance at uh, Royal Albert Hall. And, um, and he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. No problem, mate. So that's definitely a bucket list thing for me. So I always go there, and I just forget about dreaming about playing that place. Just to look at it, if you Google a picture of um, Royal Albert Hall, it's just, um, it looks like it's something out of the Roman Empire. I know it's only, it was made in like the 1850s or 60s or something. Um, but it's just an absolutely incredible, incredible venue. And uh, I told you that time, a couple, I don't know when it was, like 2009 or 10 or something like that. I took a tour of it with Nia, and Nia didn't want to go because she said it was going to be boring as shit, and we got there, and it was boring as shit. But then when we went to go check out, like, they brought us out on the mezzanine level, and we got to sit down in one of the suites, and right as we were sitting down, like, the London Philharmonic was, uh, was like, practicing for that night's performance, and it was like they were waiting for us. Like, right as we sat down, they started playing, and it was one of the most beautiful things I ever heard in my life. <laughs> Nia immediately <laughs> she puts her hand over her mouth, starts tearing up and all that, and all I could think was like, you know what, now would have been a great time to ask her to marry me. That would have been the, but how the fuck did I know that was going to happen? So instead, I waited till we went to White Castle. No, I'm kidding. Um, anyways. So then last night, I got what? I got to walk around all uh, Hyde Park, and um, it's really incredible that, that just, just the sheer size of that. And they have a bunch of parks, um, more so, way more so than uh, Manhattan as, as far as, like, the size of them and everything. And uh, just a really I – mean, it, it actually seemed like there was enough space for everybody. Um, and then after that, I went over to Amsterdam the next day, flew out, uh, oh Jesus! I forgot the whole other part of the story. Sorry, my brain is all e- even more all over the place because I've been flying all over the place. So, and I just did a show in the afternoon, and I'm still jet lagged. I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing here. So I apologize if this is more scatterbrained than usual. But so after my my um, my second show in London, um, I was just uh, I, I I could not have done a better job on that one. I was so fucking thrilled. Thank Christ. And then uh, I deliberately booked myself in a hotel. I usually stay wherever the fuck. I don't care. But this hotel actually had a cigar bar in it. And I learned that from Cigar Aficionado. They got this thing called Places to Smoke. So if you're traveling, just look it up and they will tell you the place to go. And I went there with, um, with the person who was the tour manager. And it was just me and him. And we went in there. It was funny when we first came in. They had they were like, "Oh, we're sorry, we don't have any we don't have any seats," because we walked in looking like a couple of fucking rubes, you know. Had my baseball hat on and shit, all sweaty from the show. We just looked like two fucking assholes. And you know, in there were all these gorgeous Arab women and all those fucking you know, you know that whole fucking scene was. I don't know if those chicks were from London trying to meet the guy in the golden car, but at this point, I was so caught up in the fucking soap opera, it was like watching a reality show. 
Like how that isn't a reality show is fucking beyond me. Somebody needs to make that a fucking reality show. It's literally like fast and loud without building a thing meets like the fucking real housewives meet, but they're guys, you know, I don't know, big brother or something. I want to see them talking about what it's like to be that rich. I want to see the whole fucking process of how they got those fucking cars over there. Do they give a fuck that people, you know, hate on them for having those cars? How do they deal with women coming at them? Because I don't, you got a fucking fleet of gold cars. I don't give a shit who the fuck she is. Well, that's not true, but uh, there's a sizable amount of women that'll just blow you just so they can look at themselves sucking a dick in the fucking shine of that car. (laughs) If anybody in London ever fucking makes that show, please text me a link because I'm going to watch every fucking episode. I want to see I want to see the whole thing, the riding over in the jets, you know, the whole thing, the confiscating of the passports. So you have the slave labor that builds Dubai. I want to see the fucking I want to see the whole thing. The pain, the sorrow, the whores, the whole fucking thing. Tremendous. Um, anyways, where was I? I don't know where I was. Oh, so we ended up, so I just said, like, yeah, we don't, I knew what he was doing. He saw me coming in with my stupid potato face, all fucking sweaty from the show, my dumb Tiger Woods beat up golf hat. And he was just like, I'm sorry, sir, we do not have any fucking blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, dude. I said, dude, which really made him stop for a second. I was like, I booked myself in this hotel specifically so I could smoke here. Um, And he goes, well, you can sit at the bar. Maybe you did that. So I fucking go upstairs, drop my shit off. By the time I got downstairs, they had a table because I think the fucking uh, the tour manager guy said something. So, you know, we were able to sit down. You know, it was fucking hilarious, too. This is what's hilarious. There were plenty of seats. Fucking assholes. You know, they saw me coming in looking like old sickly Ron Howard. They were like, fuck this guy. This guy's not bringing any ass or money in here. Yeah, beat it. Go get yourself a snow cone, you fucking freckled mess. Um, Oh, we're sorry. You're spending money here. Okay. Oh, by the way, there's 40 empty two tops. Where did they come from? Well, when you went upstairs for two minutes, all of a sudden everybody left. Um, So... Oh, it was the greatest. And the the, uh, the tour manager didn't smoke cigars, but said he wasn't adverse to doing it. And uh, greatest feeling ever, right? He sat down and he was smoking it and he was just going and he's gradually get, getting more and more into it. And I was happy to see that he was liking it. Then I was also nervous, like, ah, oh, fuck that. I just give somebody a cigar habit. But he was just like, he's, I forget what he's saying. This is brilliant. This is lovely. And I go, yeah, this is what it is. Everybody thinks it's like smoking a cigarette. Cigarette smokers are animals. They're junkies. They run outside in the rain. They're fucking standing next to dumpsters. They're sitting on stoops. Animals. Sucking it into their lungs. You know? Well, I need another one. need another one. need another one. No, no. Cigar. It's for gentlemen. You know? You sit down. You shoot the shit. You break each other's balls. You solve the world's problems. You don't really, but you feel like you do. It's fucking tremendous. I guess it's kind of like cocaine, right? Isn't that what happens when you do cocaine? You think everybody's a good shit, and then you figure out how to run the world. Then you get all paranoid like a dictator, and then, I don't know, somebody overdoses, and everybody runs out of the room. Um, I don't know. I always stayed out of that world. All right, let's get to some, uh, let's get to some questions here um, for the week. 
Um, there's no fucking way that they're not going to make a reality show out of that. They got to do unless those kids are so fucking rich. And by kids, no disrespect. It's just I'm an old man. If you're in your 20s, you're a kid to me. Um, unless they're just so rich that they, they don't want to bring any. Well, that's stupid. Don't want to bring attention to yourself. You're driving a fucking gold mirrored car down the road. Oh, God. It was tremendous. I Because, you know, I drive a fucking nine-year-old Prius, right? I, I was always envious of those fucking people that would do shit like that. Those hey, look at me people. You know? I would feel like the if I drove down the street in one of those, I would feel like the biggest fucking tool ever. Like, if I ever had a Ferrari, the last thing I ever want to do is drive it slowly by a cafe. I would be so fucking self-conscious of people looking at me, and then people would, I, I, people would actually laugh at me. They'd look at me, and they would, I'd be in a Ferrari, still getting laughed at. And I just, I've had enough pain in life. However, if I ever had a Ferrari, if I was out on the fucking open road, yeah, I would have windows up. I don't want anybody to see me, because that really ruins the car. If you're like, oh, my God, let's see this James Bond-looking guy in this car, and then you fucking see my redhead in there. <laughs> He must have a terminal disease or something. How the fuck did he get that car? Um, all right, let me uh, let me read some of the questions here for this week. Oh Jesus, did I even take? I didn't even copy and paste them yet. What are you? What's going on with you this week, Bill? You're, you're, I mean, Christ, you're, you're you're all over the map here. All right, content, content. All right, all right. Bill grading is. Keep forgetting to have you announce the posters. Oh, yeah, the Madison Square Garden posters will be on the website uh, this Wednesday. Um, when I played Madison Square Garden, I made all these fucking posters, and I didn't have a merch person, and for some reason I thought the venue was going to handle it, and nobody did. So I had all these posters made and shipped to Madison Square Garden, and I sold, like, zero. And then I had to pay to ship them all the way to fucking L.A. It was a fucking... It was a fiasco, so... I have a couple hundred. I don't even know how many I made. I think I had made like five, five hundred, maybe four, five hundred of them. So I autographed all of them. You know, what's funny is I always keep one poster for like the scrapbook. And uh, I wasn't paying attention and I autographed all of them. So now the only poster I have is signed by me. So I'm not going to get one because I can't have a poster signed. Hey, Bill, keep being you, you know. Bill, be stupid. So feel like an asshole. Um, you know, it's a continuing story of me being an idiot. All right, minimize the crazy. All right, <clears throat> love the podcast, Bill. I listen to it at the gym because it's really motivating. Not, uh, not really. Just good to hear someone talking shit rather than listening to the constant grunting and self praise you hear in gyms. Uh, I'm in Australia and I'm in my early thirties. And I need to break up with a crazy chick. Oh, Jesus, this is always difficult. It's not difficult if, I'll tell you right now, the degree of difficulty is greatly increased if you're living with her, obviously. All right, if you're not living with her, um, I can tell you exactly how you do it. All right? And I would be, oh, I can't tell you. I'd have to tell you to have Al Madrigal do it. Al Madrigal. I should have him on the podcast. He had the greatest fucking way ever of breaking up with a, with a girlfriend. And uh, I feel like it's his story to tell. So now that I got you all fucking interested, I'll fuck you. I'll make up for it here. Let me read this real quick. Uh, all right. 
I need to break up with a crazy chick, and I'm hoping to minimize the property damage or stalking that usually comes along with the crazy. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you set up some security little cameras, catch her damaging your property, and for once, report a woman damaging a guy's fucking property after a breakup, and maybe she'll actually have to fucking pay for it. All these videos of these chicks just fucking... Just destruction of property does not apply to a female? I don't understand it. Anyways, he goes, I would normally just do it in a public place and then go into hiding for a few weeks with all of my possessions under lock and key, but this is different. But This time it's different. We've been together for a bit over a year, and when I first met her, I thought she was perfect, but it all changed. About nine months into it, her sister-in-law was caught drink driving with her 15-month-old driver uh, daughter in the car, and as a result, the kid was taken off both parents until one of them could prove to be a fit parent. Oh, my God. They took it away from both of them? Wow. All right. Her brother slash the kid's father has always been a, a fit parent, but in Australia, the authorities have a preference for the mother, so he had to go through the bullshit to get his daughter back. Yeah, Jesus, every fucking law, it seems. Uh, when this happened, we put our hand up to take care of the kid, and the kid and the girl moved in with me um, for a bit over 12 weeks. Having the kid around was fucking awesome, and because of our work schedule, I got to spend a lot of time with the kid and loved every minute of it. My girlfriend, however, wasn't very keen on it right from the start, which made it pretty clear that we want different things, and the situation also brought out the crazy in a pretty big way. She tended to be angry with me every morning over shit that I couldn't do anything about, such as her job. And on top of that, became extremely jealous that her ex had a new girlfriend. Um, normally this would be the kind of thing that would make me walk, but we were looking after the kid. Now the kid is back with her father and it's time for the breakup. I'm pretty sure she's the type of crazy that would resort to property damage before physical violence. And I'm trying to reduce this. The only issue I see aside from the crazy is that she still has a few things in my house and there are a few things that belong to the kid left here. Portable cot, clothes and toys. Any strategies you can think of would be great. All right, you know what? You need the Al Madrigal advice, and he's not here. This is Al Madrigal's, this is his, this is how he did it. I'm giving him total credit here. When Al had to break up with the woman, and he made the decision, you know, when he, before he went over to her apartment, he would get a box, and he would take all of her belongings that were in his apartment, put them in the box, and then come over holding the box and the woman opens the doors like, what the fuck? And then you immediately, oh, I think he already changed the locks too. That's another thing too. Change the fucking locks and uh, which you can easily do just with a different deadbolt. That's just a couple of screws. Just do that. And usually, you know, if, if that that's no big deal. Um, I guess down below is a couple of two well it's no big deal just change the fucking locks put everything in a box then you go over to her place you sit down and you just say it's fucking over blah 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 they flip out they want to break something that are in their house that's it fucking over if um if you have anything in her apartment of value i would get that first and then i would do the rest of it but um there, there really should be you know you know, with all these things now that they're complaining that men do, like anything from fucking like mansplaining, manspreading and all that, all these fucking feminist groups, 
up and down the fucking street about the shit that we're doing. Do any of them address the ridiculous level of destruction of property that women do to guys when, when they break up with them? Or even if they get caught fucking around. Okay, he fucked around on you. That does not give you the right to key the guy's car. I mean, you can do it, but you should go to jail. You should have to pay for it. You should go on your fucking record. But guys are always just like, you know, I just want to just make it go away. Just make it. They make like YouTube videos of themselves fucking destroying property. Um, so that might be something else you want to look into. Dude, if this chick's crazy, I would just go total CIA on her. Go over there without her knowing. Just take back. Leave just. First of all, you're going to have to leave some troops behind. A couple pairs of sneakers got to go Willem Dafoe platoon here. All right, but if you got, you know, if you got some, I don't know, I don't know, a fucking iPad or some shit like that, you need to grab that shit. Get that shit the fuck out of there. You have some sort of nerd friend or a friend who knows a nerd. They wire, like, you know, you got fucking cameras and all that shit. You got that going. Change your fucking locks. Box up the shit. Go over there. Drop the fucking hammer. Um, if you're worried that this woman's going to get physical with you, I would do that, and I, I would break up with her in a public place because I don't know how it works in Australia, but um, here in America, a woman can take out a machete, chop a guy's head off, and then uh, sue the, the surviving family members for the blister on her hand that she got when she swung the fucking thing through his head. So, um, good luck to you. Be careful, and I hope it all works out for you. All right. Oh, for God's sake. I fucking hate these fucking computers. You know what kills me? I can't get them to do anything, and then you barely brush up against them, and everything fucking goes away. What the fuck? Ah, drives me nuts. All right. All-time lows. All-time lows. Sorry. All right. Hey there, Billy with the little red willy. What the fuck do you know about my dick? How dare you insult it like that? A fucking... I challenge you. I'll challenge you to an Instagram photo. No, I'm kidding. All right. Dear Bill, uh, I'm a 26-year-old guy living in Pennsylvania. Until recently, I was dating my girlfriend of four years. We bought a house together six months ago. I, I, you, what? You're 26. You're in Pennsylvania. You're dating a girl for four years, and you bought a house together. We had two great cats and couldn't be happier. What the fuck? You marry this girl, dude, or stop buying shit with her. Sorry. Uh, about two weeks ago, she went on a 10-day group hike, hiking trip to Nevada with her aunt and a bunch of random people. When she came back, I had a $300 purse waiting for her as a welcome home gift. However, after she thanked me for the gift, she sat me down and said we needed to talk. Oh, yeah, she went on a hike, dude, which means she did some soul searching and some dick sucking. No, kidding. So then we, uh, <laughs> she then told me, she was breaking up with me because she doesn't want to live in the suburbs anymore or work a desk job anymore. She said she wanted to move out west and become an outdoor adventure guide and that it was a dream to work in our country's national parks and live an outdoor adventurous, adventure-type life. I asked if there was another guy, and she said no. She said she just needed to find herself and follow her dream. Um, all right, well, up until now, you can't get mad at her. She's just telling you what she wants in life. As a regular listener of your podcast, I always hear you tell people to follow their dreams. So even though I was heartbroken, I supported her decision. Well, dude, I got to tell you, that's really mature of you. Most people would go and, you know, most guys would go into the false setup. You fucking bitch. Um, <clears throat> the next day I saw her, she got a text from a guy named Zach. Uh-oh. 
We don't have any Zacks in our friend circle. Uh Uh-oh. While she was in the shower, I snooped through her phone and read her text message with Zach. There were messages about how much they missed each other and how she, she couldn't wait to move out to Arizona. They both sent each other naked pictures, and they talked about how much they liked fucking each other on their trip. Oh, boy. She still doesn't know I've been through her phone, so as of now, I'm at an all-time low. I have to sell my house and lose a ton of money. I lost my girlfriend to another guy. She is also taking the cats, and since I can't afford an apartment by myself, I'll be a 26-year-old guy living with my parents. Well, don't you get half of the house? He goes, and to top it all off, she's walking around with that $300 fucking purse. My question is, how do I confront her about the text message? Do you have any advice for me moving forward? And was there ever a point in your life that there... That was an all-time low, and how'd you get through with it? Um, first of all, dude, uh, sorry you're going through all of that. Here's the bright side. All right, look. If your girlfriend went on a fucking hike, that's what she always wanted to do. And when she went out there, you know, she gets all caught up with this other guy. She comes back and just immediately breaks up with you. You know? Maybe she's letting you down a little bit easier that she didn't meet this other fucking guy. Why, why add insult to injury? Um, but the fact that she accepted the purse, she should have said, I can't accept this. She didn't have to tell you about the fucking guy. I mean, what, what's that going to do other than make you feel fucking horrible? Um, here's the bright side of this, all of this, okay? The bright side is... You're a fucking great guy. You're a solid guy. You didn't get mad at her or any of that type of stuff. You're supporting her fucking dream. And uh, she kept the purse, which means she's a cunt. And I don't think this guy, Zach, knows what's going to hit him. You know? But you know what? Zach might be a dick. She's going out there. She is, you know, I mean, what, what, what are you going to do? She wants to go out and go fuck some guy who wears sandals on a rubber raft? I mean, that, that's, that's her idea of a man. Then you just got to let her go. Um, but the thing is, you can't internalize it like it had anything to do with you. It had nothing to do with you. All right? You just picked the wrong one. But you know what, dude? I was going to say, at least you didn't, have, you didn't have any kids. You learned something. Don't buy a fucking house with somebody you're not married to. Okay? Once you know 100 fucking percent that this is the person you want to spend your life with and they say that to you, you know, hopefully they're not lying, which is the difficulty of fucking relationships. Um, Then you go out and you buy a fucking house with somebody. But, dude, you're only 26 years old. You got your whole life ahead of you. And um, I would bring up the fact that she was with that guy, Zach. I think I mean, I don't know. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. Here's what you do. Just be a total fucking gentleman and ask her if she likes. Oh, God, here we go. Just sit her down and just ask her if she likes the person, all that. And right right before this is the last time you're going to see last time, you know, you're going to ever see her. Just right before she, hey, honey, you know, good luck with your dream and blah, 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 blah. You do your little bullshit hug and she walks away and you go, oh, honey, one more thing. Hey, tell Zach I said what's up. And just shut the fucking door. And then as she's walking away, you just scream out, You fucking whore! 
Oh, um, no, you know what would be funny? Listen, you, you just say you, you throw Zach in the middle of it. You could really have a lot of fun with this. And I'll tell you something right now. No one knows more how much fun you can have with it than a woman. A woman knows how to fucking like I'm, I'm going to ruin this. Women are really good at this. Guys are just like, oh, let's go fight. Women know how to be like, ooh, I got this piece of information. What is the perfect fucking way this will do the most amount of damage? What if you put it in the middle of it? If you say, listen, I just want you to know I'm really happy for you and Zach. You know, you're going to be out. No, it's too early. I'm really happy for you. You're going to be out there living your dream. And as much as I'm going to miss you and everything, I'm just so happy that you have the courage to follow your dream, you know. Uh, somewhere in there, somewhere in there, you just gotta, you know, you can be out there rafting, you know, you can keep fucking Zach, and but no, don't say, don't say fuck. See, I'm gonna mess it up, but you understand where I'm going with this. You gotta just put, just put, drop Zach in the middle of it, and then do about two more sentences, and then just stop and just stare at her, and just, <laughs> just leave her in the the stunned silence of that moment. Um, and then whisper in your ear. I'm so happy I didn't have kids with you. And then you walk away. Sorry. All right. That was creepy. Anyways. All right. Amusement parks. Hey, Billy Bonzo. Uh, Bozo. Sorry. Billy Bozo. I thought he was complimenting me. He was actually insulting. Just wanted to hear your take on amusement park. What your take on amusement parks are. I went the other day with my girl and just could not help but notice all of the fucking animals around me. From people walking barefoot to the fat asses walking with their giant fucking turkey legs around the park i hope you guys can't hear my stomach growling i haven't eaten all day today because i've been eating i've been eating so bad trying not to fucking eat a giant breakfast here anyways i was just disgusted or lunch i should say i was just disgusted you a fan of going to an amusement park whatever go fuck yourself no i'm not they are they are fucking animal magnets look I don't mind kids that go there, but the fucking adults that go there. Some of the worst tattoos, some of the worst bodies, some of the just mouth-breathing fucking morons. Like, you go to an amusement park, that's for everybody who can't afford to go to Disneyland. You're talking animals. You're talking rides that don't work. People get killed at those fucking things. I swear to God, dude. It's like, it's, it's, it's a bump up from a carnival. But even carnivals aren't as bad because I feel like a carnival, you have the, the, the community. It came to your town. So there's a bunch of high school kids seeing each other. It's still kind of a fun thing. But you just go to an amusement park. It's just there. Any of those fucking water parks, any of that type of shit, that is just a white trash fucking magnet. All right. That's my elitist comment for the fucking day. Uh, we got a couple more of these to read. Let me... Uh, couple more questions, and let me just knock out these last two advertisements here. Advertisements. All right, MVMT watches. Uh, when, you're, when you're in your early 20s and 30s, money can be tight. If you're not careful, dressing well can drain your bank account, like spending four to 500 bucks on a department store watch. There's some brands out there charging insane prices for watches that aren't even worth it. Well, if you want to look great when you go out but still have enough money to buy him or her a drink, check out movementwatches.com. Um, originally founded by two broke college kids, Movement Watches cut out the middleman and their big brand retail markups in order to give you a stylish watch, watch for an affordable price. Movement Watches start at just 95 bucks, a watch with department store quality for a fraction of the price. 
You could buy one of these and still go to an amusement park. Uh, they're sleek and minimalistic, minimalistic, a modern twist on a classic style. Movement has grown organically purely by supporters like yourselves. Go to MVMTWatches.com slash Burr, and they'll give you 15% off your entire purchase. That's MVMTWatches.com slash Burr. Last but not leastly, um, least to list, um, stamps.com, everyone. Trips to the post office have probably become second nature to you. They seem easy because you've been doing your mailing and shipping that way for so long. But think about all the hassles, man. Dropping what you're doing, driving there, finding parking, hitting an old lady, looking around to see if anybody saw you, hiding the body, waiting. There's so much better ways to go. Stamps.com is the way. Stamps.com is the easy and convenient way to get postage right from your desk. Uh... Way to get postage right from your desk. Yes, buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and printer. No expensive postage meters to lease and no more trips to the post office. You'll have to try it. You have to try it. I use Stamps.com to send out all my posters, and then I don't sell them after the show, and then I got to use Stamps.com again to send them back home. Oh, who's a dope? Sign up for Stamps.com and use my last name, Burr, for this special four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Burr. That's stamps.com. Enter Burr. All right. Let's knock out these last few questions. Come on. Help me out here. I fucking hate computers. They just don't fucking work for me. All right. There we go. All right. Baby's mom is a whore. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Or as they say, a fucking har. Um, get the chars. Get the hars and the chars. All right. I'll, I'll try and keep this short and to the point. I was dating a redheaded succubus lady for almost eight years. Uh, what does succubus mean again? That's the one who basically uh, takes over your life, kills you afterwards. I remember the South Park was the first time I ever heard that. Chef was warning them about a succubus. Succubus, a female demon believed to have sexual intercourse with sleeping men. What? And appears in dreams, takes the form of a woman in order to seduce men through sexual activity. But then what does she make you do afterwards? Hang on a second. Appears to take the form of... The male counterpart is the incubus. Oh, is that how they got the name for the band? Religious traditions hold that repeated sexual activity with the succubus may result in the deterioration of health or even death. I really don't see the downside to any of that. All right, let's... uh, Is that supposed to be scary? It's fucking great. Sleeping, she comes in, she takes care of you. We need more succubuses in the world. All right. Her and I conceived two sons together. Why do people date and have kids and buy houses together? And in that time, we were talking about getting married. (laughs) I loved her very much with all my heart. We rented a house and lived together for most of our relationship. I've always treated her with respect and tried my best to be the best provider for her and my two sons and her third son, whom she has with another guy. Needless to say, she went out with her girlfriends, which she had done many, many of times before, but not, did not come home until the next day. When I asked her why she stayed out all night or didn't call to let me know what, what's up, she responded by telling me she had sex with some random guy 
she meant because she was drunk. I was like, what the fuck? How could you? Why would you do that? Her and I started to argue. In the course of the argument, not only did I find out that she had cheated on me, but in the entire time, but in the entire time her and I were together, she just admitted to cheating on me with 12 other people in our eight years together. What the fuck doesn't quite put my feelings into perspective. And the only reason she gave was the only reason she gave was she wasn't happy with me. I don't understand that. And to this day, she still will not elaborate on that. So I've since then moved out back home at my mom's. I feel crushed like my entire life was with her was a lie. It was. She betrayed me in the worst possible way and completely destroyed my outlook on love. But not only that I, but not only that I feel like I'm failing my family, my kids, and even that redheaded whore because I couldn't keep my family together. I've offered to go to counseling. No, dude, fuck that. To try and work through this. But she's not interested. She acts like our eight years meant nothing. It didn't. It meant nothing to her. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. She's been bouncing from guy to guy since we split up. The whole situation's kind of fucked up. Yeah, and you got kids there, and she doesn't care. It's been several months now, and I f- still feel like shit. Uh, I've been slaying bar sluts right and left, starting to work out, trying to focus on bettering myself and my son's lives, trying to keep my mind positive, positively occupied. But I still feel this pain in my chest like something's missing. Her, I guess, I don't know, still feels, still feel lost as shit. Dude, all of that's totally normal. Um, You're supposed to feel that way. Um, She probably doesn't feel anything. Or maybe she does, and that's why she's going around there, you know, fucking everybody. Maybe she had an asshole dad. I have no idea. Maybe she's a succubus. I have no idea. Um... The only way to get past this dude is to continue doing what you're doing. Go to the gym. I'm not saying you're going to fuck every woman that, that moves, but the only thing that cures this is time. Time and don't try to block it out. Dwell on it. Cry it out of you. All of that shit you're not supposed to do as a guy. That's what women do. They sit down. They talk about it. They cry it out and they get past it. And we fucking hang on to it forever. And it kills us. So cry that bitch out of you. Um, you know? Is a big thing. Never trash her to your kids. Because as much as she fucked you over, that's their mom. You know? And it's going to fuck them up. And it's going to make them pick the wrong kind of woman. Or it's going to make them treat women disrespectfully. So, um, I think what you got to do is just, you just, it's all about you now. Obviously, you have kids. But I would just try to become the best guy you could. And go meet a woman that's worthy of being with you. And then have a great fucking life together. And uh, you'll never need to trash your wife in front of your kids. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. That's it. And uh, if she trashes you and says all this shit about you, just just be a great dad to them. And it'll, it'll, that aspect of it will work out. But as far as, like, feeling lost, feeling like a piece of shit, then, you know, that just... Is how it goes. I mean, I had that happen. I mean, I never had kids, but I, you know, I had, I had women cheat on me. You know, I've been an asshole. I've cheated on women. I kind of gave and took equally in my dating history, but uh, you know, especially when like I was younger, I dated a fucking older woman. She fucking ran around. And I was an idiot, and then I was going like, oh, they're all fucking like that or whatever. So whatever, you'll work it out. All right. Time travel follow-up. All right, this is the last one. The podcast is done. Uh, 
All right, Mr. Burr, I uh, just now caught up with your podcast about the time travel topic and thought you might be interested in a few resources. Last night, there was a Chris Hardwick show episode about the time travel story that may have influenced your writer or not. In any event, the coincidence is interesting to me. The Hardwick bit was based on the actual candidacy for president of a man named Andrew Bashago, like Chicago. All right. Mr. Bashago claims to be the whistleblower slash witness you would like to hear come from any real development program. His essential claim is that he was inducted into a deep black military program. Uh, There are many of these around the age of six and discharged eventually at the age of 23. That program developed physical and virtual modes of teleportation and time travel. It's as easy to create an address for a different time as a different place, it turns out, which was in service starting about 1967. Yes, he says. I I don't understand any of this shit. I believe Mr. Bishago's testimony to be truthful, so take that as you must, but if you are interested in the story, you should at least give some of his long-form interviews a listen. I uh, I think you can find them easily by searching his name on YouTube. Uh... The quality of the interview views vary a lot depending on the interviewer. So if you get one where the interviewer is annoyingly dumb, continue. One of my favorites is this. Here's the link. Just listen to just listen to the first four minutes and see if you want to stop. All right. You know what? I'm in. I'm in. I love this sci-fi conspiracy theory shit. I'll read it anytime you want. All right. That's it. Uh, if you could hear the kids screaming next door, my apology. If I had to record it too close to my gurgling stomach, I got to get some dinner before I do my second show here. Um, I apologize for that. And big thank you to everyone who came out to my show last night. Hear that kid? In Holland, uh, Amsterdam. Unfortunately, I literally landed, did the show, and then had to leave. I barely went went by the Van Gogh Museum, just saw it, didn't get to go in. And uh, I don't know. Would have been great to hang. Such a great city but i didn't get a chance to thanks to everybody who came out uh when i went through england it's just been a great tour and uh so far one out of four shows is done here in scotland and the first one was was as fun a show as you can have at four o'clock in the afternoon as possible so that's it i'll check in on you on thursday go fuck yourselves i'll see you All right, Toyota, everybody. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. A workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced technology to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available technology this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales events deals when you visit buy a Toyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
In a world where clout is the new currency. You're interrupting my stream. Are you getting any followers with this? One girl. What's your name? At June Forever. Your real life actual name. We'll have to find a way to clear her name. The police questioned me. You're the common denominator, June. And solve the crime. You watch too many movies. Esther Babitsky is Drugstore June. Also starring Bobby Lee, Haley Joel Osment, James Remar, Beverly D'Angelo, and Matt Walsh in theaters this March. Go to drugstorejune.com.